Augustine of Gaston or Charles. And we are actually on the Lake of Galilee. It was an amazing day. We were in one of those wooden boats that they would have had. And uh, we went, we were at Galilee where Jesus walked. I actually shouted from the cave that they think he preached the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And it's an amazing thing. You just speak, hello. And the cave echoes down. And the guys down there, like a kilometer away, heard. <laughs> My wife's like, hello. I'm like, how did they hear it? It was amazing. Anyway, digressing, digressing. And so there's a story in Mark 4 and a few other places. That are, I think it's Luke 8 and a few other places of Jesus automatically just jumps on the boat. He takes his disciples, he gets on this boat, and he goes on the Lake of Galilee. And when we were there, it was, it was very placid, and it was very calm. It was actually beautiful. And I was thinking to myself, how the heck, I'm allowed to say it, sorry, if I'm not allowed to say it, sorry. How can there be such a massive storm on this smallish lake that the disciples freaked out so much? And just at that moment, one of the guides, who was a local, said, you don't, un- you don't understand. When the wind blows at a certain direction, the waves can be over 10 meters tall. And I was thinking, what? I was thinking it, and he said it. I was like, what, God? That's amazing. He's like, and he's an Israeli. He's there. He lives there. And you find it. They jump. So in, in Mark 4, you can go read it for yourself. Mark 4 in, in chapter 5. Where J- Jesus jumps in the boat with his disciples. He's just done a hectic ministry experience. I think he's pretty tired because he falls asleep, jumps in the boat, and halfway through, it's about 10 kilometers from Galilee to where he was going. The storm erupts. And it was a, it was a magnificent storm because the guys were freaking out. And the story goes that Jesus is sleeping on a cushion. And they wake him up going, what are you on? Like, we are about to die. You know, the, the storm is killing us. And Jesus, like, wakes up and is like, calm down. And the storm just calms. And they're like, who is this guy that has the power to even stop a storm? And he mentioned that this morning. I thought, Jeez, I forgot about that story. Such a powerful story. And with COVID and isolation and fear and death for some, and we've been going through storms of life, right, for the last almost two years. And I want to encourage us this morning, the God that I serve, and hopefully the God that you serve, is greater than your storm. Much, much greater. Will Murray, who's going to be here in 11 o'clock, he's my father-in-law. I love him very much. We actually stay in the same property. And so I get to see him when you guys don't get to see him. And he was just given 8 to 12, year, uh, 12 months to live just the other day from his doctor. They said, look, your cancer's come back. It's not doing well. You've got between 8 and 12 months. And a lesser man who would have freaked out and wobbled and lost his joy, lost his hope, and just got defo and hid away in the trees. But not Will. I actually said to him the other day, I might cry. Okay, I might cry. Just warning myself, you know. Yeah, thank you. I see them. There's a lot of them. I might bring them. Let me put them. Let me, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me put them up just in case. And I said to him, I said, well, you mean, you know, he knows I love him as a father-in-law. And I just said to him, I want to be like you. When I grow up. Because you don't just preach something that you don't practice. You actually practice what you preach. And in the greatest storm of his life right now, where he could go to heaven soon and leave us behind, he is holding fast to the love of Jesus. He's holding fast to faith. He is fighting daily. He got on a motorbike. He's in pain. He's popping pills. I'm worried about how many pills he's popping. And I'm like, hey, just come down with those pills. Just to get here. Because he allows the body so much. He loves Jesus so much. He wants to 
deposits and pray in elves and deacons and just love and give. And, and it's only by God's grace through Christ that he can do that. And at home, I can see sometimes he does. And he pulls his stuff up and he, every day he's got his Bible open and he's just praying. And I want to just say to you, if you're here and you're going through a rough time, I mean, our family's been hammered for the last two years. It's just been one thing to the next, to death, to this, to world, to my wife being sick all the time and just all over the place. And now she's getting better and just up and down. The one thing and the only thing that's got us through, the only thing that's got us through is that Jesus is in our midst. And he's got you. And I want to just say, your, your problems... Your life challenge, your sickness is not too small or not too big for Jesus to come in. And so the disciples realized this. They were like, yo, you just calmed the storm. But the cool thing about the story for me is I don't think Jesus was on the lake for the storm, even though that's where most people stop. The reason I think he got in that boat was because 10 kilometers away on the other side of the lake, there was a demon-possessed man with a legion of demons on him. And when the wind is right in that heat, Jesus would have heard him screaming, possibly, from the other side of the lake. And so what I love about the story the most is the, the storm in, of the life thing and the, di- the disciples freaking out was, was just a bonus thrown in. <laughs> and so my, my interpretation of the story is this, that Jesus hears the demons this man and he's probably heard about him. And I think he's got a legion of demons in him. And that's a lot of demons. He's living in the tombs. He's cutting himself with stones. He's so strong and powerful, no one can bind him. He's going crazy. He's naked. He's running around the tombs like a a madman. Demon-possessed. Lost. And so Jesus hears him, I believe, and he jumps in the boat. And in the middle, there's a storm, and he teaches his disciples how cool he is and how powerful he is and how awesome he is. Calming, just calming the storm. And then he arrives at the other side. And when that demon-possessed man saw Jesus, he ran. Go read it. Mark 4 into five. We're getting into chapter five, actually, now. And he falls on his knees, and he says, son of man, don't torture me. And he says, get up. He says, what is your name? My name is Legion, because I have many demons in me. He says, out, and he casts the demons into pigs, and you know, the pigs run into the, uh, into the, and they drown in the lake, and the whole village is freaking out. And then something miraculous happens. This man is set free. Free. And then he's clothed, which is interesting. So let me take you back to the cushion. So Jesus was lying on the boat in the storm on a cushion, the Bible says. And the word for cushion is linen or linens. So it's not a cushion like we think. I think Jesus actually took on clothes. (laughs) Because Jesus is deliberate in everything he does, right? He's not haphazard. Like it seems like it because we read the Bible wrong. And we don't have the context and we don't have the original languages and stuff. But it's not haphazard. He doesn't just jump on a boat for no reason. Get into a storm for no reason. Go to a demon-possessed man for no reason. No, there's a point to what Jesus does. Everything that Jesus does is for a point. And it's to glorify the Father, right? And so this man gets free, and he's clothed, and the people are going, oh, Jesus. They actually, it says they are afraid of Jesus because of his power. And the first thing this, this man says, he begs Jesus, go read it. Like, Can I please come and be one of your disciples? Please, like I would really gonna get at the boat. I've been changed. I've been set free. Please, and Jesus says, "No, you can't come with me." Go back to your village and tell everybody what I've done. 
only the, it's one of the only times that Jesus says to someone, go tell, some, go tell them who I am. The rest is, don't tell, don't tell, don't tell, don't tell, don't tell. This is the one occasion, in a sense, like, go tell your friends what I have done for you. The point of the story for me is this, and how we can tie it back to our day and age, is the same Jesus who wants to heal and did heal that man is the same Jesus who wants to come to your life right now. Antoinette, can you come back? Jesus, can you just raise your hand? He's the same Jesus who can calm the storm. He's the same Jesus who can demons out. He's the same Jesus. And he delivers you and to show his love for you and me. The question we need to ask ourselves is, are we like that woman who says, man, go, son of man, do something with me. Doesn't make sense. It's like, sorry, I can't see the face. I just see eyes and I don't know who you are. So like, I don't know if you're happy, sad, crying, like, please, M's, get this guy off, you know. Like, get him away. Because at the end of the day, love is everything, right? And, and I was trying to pick up what God was saying. And MP dropped something about love. And then Sean, I think it's Sean, and the, the street guy, street ministry guy, Sean, hey, dropped something in love. And I just pick it up. He's singing about love. I think Jesus wants to just pour his love on us afresh this morning. And so let me just read a couple of scriptures about love quickly, and then we'll end. And then maybe you could pray for somebody or somebody after you. And we'll just see. Because we, we need to be finished pretty soon. So 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 3, Mr. Drummer Man, can I ask you a question? Can I ask you a favor? Can you get in those drums and the sound man, can you put the, the, snare, the, the, the cymbals on as loud as you can? Can you, when I tell you to, hit those cymbals as loud as you can in the most horrific way possible? Don't make it nice. Okay, don't make it nice at all. Like, try and make it that our ears are bleeding and we never want to hear the drums again. So, but I'll give you that cue and then... Mr. Simon, are you ready over there? Because let's try get this thing. So 1 Corinthians 13. Sorry, young lady behind the computer. I didn't give you my scriptures because I didn't know what I was preaching. But 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 3. So it's 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 3. We'll organize this now. I'm not going to try anymore. That's good. Okay, you ready, Mr. Drummer? Just make it a riff, okay? <laughs> like, we still love you. And I know you're a very good drummer because I was watching you earlier. But try to put all of what you've trained out of your mind. And uh, don't be cool in that moment. Okay. So 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 3. Can you, are you there, young lady? Okay, you're working frantically. Just really, okay, let me start reading this for now. So it says this. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. There we go. So we could be speaking in tongues of men and angels. We can speak in a heavenly tongue given by God. But if we don't have love, we are a resounding gong and, or a clanging cymbal. And now this is your cue to make our ears bleed. That's too nice. Yeah, yeah. Just make the thing. <laughs> yeah, you're going like you <laughs> Sure, that was horrific. Thank you. You did a really good job. And uh, <clears throat> it goes on to say, verse 2, and if we have prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and all the knowledge, 
And if we are, have all faith, so we can move mountains but not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So every one of us have been given a spiritual gift. Some of us were given two or three. And they're different and they make up the body of Christ. But all of us had one gift given to us that is exactly the same through age, through time, through personality, through whether you have hair or not. What is that gift? Love. Every single one of us can love someone else. <laughs> it's weird. Because we can speak in tongues, we can have all the knowledge, we can have all the faith. We can, we can be the best preacher, but if we don't have love, we're just that horrible symbol and no noise to God's ear and to others. And Francis Chan, you might know, he's like this world-renowned speaker. The one day he was at this conference and um, one of his heroes was preaching next to, the, next to him. I'll say it to him. And they were backstage looking at the crowds and there were 10,000 people, 20,000 people, something massive, massive. And he wanted to learn from this older gentleman who loved Jesus. And so he tapped him and says, what did you do to do your final preparation before you go out there? And, um, and he's thinking in his mind, he goes through his points and he gets all his illustrations sorted out. And this old man turns around and said, all I do is I look over the crowd and I ask Jesus to give me a love for the people that I'm preaching to. And Francis Chan in the moment, in the interview, goes, I realize I so missed it. <laughs> I'm like, it's all about me. It's all about how much people want to listen to me. It's about my books, but I, I actually forgot the main thing. It's that's just loving one another, just Christ loved us. Crazy, huh? And then there's another crazy scripture that I'm just going to throw, and then I'll start ending, because we have to end in a few minutes. Oh, we're running out of time. Um, let me just find that quickly. So 1 Corinthians 13, 13, just a little bit further down. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. It says this. So now faith, hope, and love abide. Okay, so faith, hope, and love. Faith and hope are quite big things, right? I mean, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, we can't love Jesus. Without faith, faith is a big thing. Hope is a big thing as well. But it says this. So, and these three things reign, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of all is love. Have you ever thought about that? The love that Christ has for us and the love that we can have for each other is greater than the faith that we have in Jesus. Okay, get your mind to wrap around that. That's how big this love thing is. Please, you have to have faith. If you don't hear what I'm saying and what I'm not saying, okay, please, Emsa, don't make more work for Emsa, okay, and the elders. Love is a big deal. And you see the story as Jesus jumps in the boat, he loves his disciples. As he meets the demon-possessed man, he loves that man individually. But then he also says, send my love into your, into your village. Go and spread it. And I'm going to end with a, a, a personal illustration of um, something that I learned about God's love for me and my family. And then I'll end and pray for Emsa. So we have the privilege, uh, I have a privilege of having uh, two, two kids. Uh, my son is 14 years old. And my daughter is eight. My son actually turned 14 on Friday while I was riding up here. And so um, we're going to celebrate tomorrow evening with him. Um, 
And he's, he's a Wesley, some of you guys might know him, some of you guys might not. Um, we, are, we had the privilege of adopting, adopting him. Uh, he came into our lives when we, were about, when we were about three. Abby was a teacher at that stage, and she was doing a free lessons to this children's home that he was in, a safe, safe home. And um, she came home one day, and she said, God has told me. You know when your wife starts to say things like, yes, that's how you up, you know. God has told me that Wesley's going to be our son. I was like, oh, God has not told me. <laughs> oh, I'm going to break the news to this lady. And then I said, and that night, I was freaked out. I don't want to, I don't want to adopt another kid. I don't know where he's come from. He's different color skin to me. I don't know if he's got funny diseases. Who knows? I mean, who's this kid? I mean, I don't know if he's going to have an accident in Malibu one day. All these fleshly things in my heart, you know. It's terrible. I know, just bearing my heart. And that night, I could not sleep. And at about 3 o'clock in the morning, the Lord said to me very clearly in a very tangible voice, Brett, Wesley is your son. We will adopt him. I'm like, freak out like flesh. And, we, and I was awake, and I never slept, and I was crying a little bit. I was, was, was wailing and gnashing of teeth. And Abby wakes up, and I'm just, yeah, just, I'm just trying to, you know, just, it's not, it, it wasn't easy for me. Um, Abby wakes up and said, babes, um, Wesley's your son, we're going to, let's go for, let's adopt him. She almost, she rolled off the bed, fell down, hurt herself, I think, if I remember correctly, she was so, so flabbergasted, and met with the home, did it, and only three weeks later did I meet him. So I'd made all the paperwork, we'd signed all the things, and I hadn't seen him, hadn't met him, and about three weeks later, I met him for the first time. After I'd given my heart to him. Crazy. It's like crazy supernatural thing. And my family freaked out and everyone freaked out. And we just got married and it just wasn't making sense. But God sometimes does make sense. Uh, and the point of the story is this. I'm trying to give it background. The point of the story is about two years in, it just started getting crazy. Now I want to cry. It's, it's where it gets me. Um, he just started swearing at us and punching us like we were trying to love him. And he just, it just, and like almost probably demonic or whatever. And just foul things and horrible things. There's a little four or five-year-old. He's just slapping Abby, blah, blah, his knees, elbowing, biting. And, I mean, we're thinking he's just, he's been naughty, you know. So he's disciplined and this is going on for months and um and we, we go on this course for fostering and adoption, and we realize he's not actually being naughty. He's testing us. And what, um, what, what they're saying is um, ad adopted kids, uh, kids that have been passed away, who have lost love uh, when they're young, what they do is they test you to see whether you love them for what, you, what they do or whether you love them for who they are. So we're thinking he's been naughty. We're just thinking he's actually going, Dad, I, I want to love you more. Whether I'm proud with you, whether I swear to you, whether, and now I'm broken. I'm sitting in this thing crying. What the heck? I'm wrecking my son even more than he's wrecked. He's not been naughty. He's testing, you know. So I decided, and we decided, ah, we got home and we said, we will love this kid until it breaks, breaks him. In a good way. And he throws a tantrum. I hold him. <laughs> I remember looking at him. I will not stop loving you until you love me back, Wes. And he goes, blah, 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 blah. 
push me away, run away. Next day, same thing. For about two months. And one day, remember, remember after you? You see this thing? I'm holding you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Calmly. Never did it again. The love, the test, one is hell. 14-year-old, one of the quickest teenagers I've ever met. And I was a youth pastor for a long time, 10 years. Amazing woman. People around the world have come to know Jesus because of his story. He's probably the best evangelist in this building. Sorry for Sean and the guys on the street. I want to end with this because we do that to God. See, hanging out on the cross and everyone that ridiculed him and Jesus was called out and he had to stand forward when he could and they were mocking him and giving him vinegar to drink and tearing up his clothes and he, he hung there. And he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I want them to experience the love of a father that I'm willing to give. So he gave his father. And then what we do so often in response is we kick against him. And he's holding us and he goes, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. We're going, God, 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 just like Wesley was saying to us. But I really feel for some of us this morning, it's that breaking moment where he's loved you enough. That as he gave into your heart this morning, you would go, freedom comes, love comes, grace comes, mercy comes, and that helps us love others. And you see how gentle this is. People love their kids. Even the janitor at school was like, hey, fireworks, have a lovely weekend. Did you get the, how do you know the janitor? Just keep on, you just carry on. And so I want to end with this. Sorry, I went way too long, way longer than I was hoping. But I really feel like God wants you to pick it up. So maybe you're going through a hard time. And I'd love for you just to bear a few tears. Maybe you're kicking against. I did feel like there was uh, um, someone who has gone through quite a traumatic life. So I might be wrong here. Um, Larry says he's lying. But I feel like there's someone there that's, who's gone through a lot of trauma. Um, and that's the thing that's you're kicking against God. How, God, how can you let that happen to me if you love me? Tell me now, it's not God that did that to you, it's sin. <laughs> you did that to me. And God, I think God wants to just rescue you. But I also felt like there's someone here that's been, had been dabbling in the occult or some kind of witchcraft, spiritual thing. And that thing's been following you for many, many years. And you haven't been able to experience God because of this thing that's got a grip on your life. And I really feel like God's love wants to bring that in you. And I also feel like there's some people here that have fallen away, like you, you, you're cold to the Lord. You're lukewarm. You're not passionate. You're not, ah, God, wake up every day. I really feel like God, those, I'm just giving words. And if that's for you, please respond, not to me. Please, this, this, that'd be the worst thing you could ever do. Please respond to Jesus and allow him to love you more deeply. So can I pray for us? And if those words are for you, could you stand with me? Just in response, thank you. Or don't stand. Don't thank you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, no, that's cool. I love, I love it. Sorry, I just, I was so excited there. And then, and then, so if those words are for you, if you're feeling like you need a touch from the Lord, love, if you're feeling to be that person that's been battered through life, I really feel, like faith is this. Faith, you have to respond. 
faith isn't like, hey, God, um, I'll do something and I'm not going to get into the boat. No, you've got to get into the boat. You've got to step. You've got to stand up. You've got to do something. Um, when I gave my life to Jesus, when I was five years old, I had to do something. I had to pray. I had to say, God, I give you my life. Use me. Do whatever you want with me. There's something of faith. And so I'm going to pray. If anything that I've said and the Lord said touches you, stand it up. And then we can start filling you with the Spirit and do whatever you want to do. Can we do that? Awesome. So, Father, thank you for Andrew and the Irish team here. Thank you for the, just the wonderful family vibe that we have here in Australia. Thank you for the hunger for your word, for your spirit. Thank you for oh, just your so amazing grace. And that we will learn to just supernaturally just have a touch of your love. Lord, for those that are resisting you like Rose resisted us, Lord, that in this moment, Father, oh, we just want to break in through that. Those words that I gave, as we, as our eyes are closed, as we just wait upon the Lord, if you've been battered and you had trauma and you know that that's stuck in you, could you just stand with me now? If you've dabbled in the occult in the past, um, that's Ouija board, um, glass of glassy, um, obviously you've come through some some kind of multimedia thing or something. Could you stand? If you just want to encounter the Lord, just allow it, just a refreshing flow, refreshing stand and then we'll trust that the Holy Spirit does that. Thank you, Lord. Amazing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amazing. as the Lord leads me, I, I do feel like God wants to touch some of you right here, of apprehension. I know it's scary, but just these are the moments that God wants to speak to you. So if the Lord's tugging in your heart, just in your own time, in your own faith, just stand in faith with God. Father, just for those who have responded to any one of those words, right now, speak in their hearts the power of the Holy Spirit. Come upon them right now in love and grace and love. So we, we pray against fear. We pray against apprehension. May we pray against just even self and fear. Lord, there's just a total freedom that comes from this moment forward. Lord, that when we look back in a year's time, we'll be like, this is that, that moment that we came, we jumped at the bait, we fell at your feet, and we came to our rescue. 
Lord, I pray that this is a boldness. A hunger and a thirst to know you, Lord, and to grow like you, they can love others as well. Lord, as I'll grow like Moses did when he came and stepped across the mountain, may people be afraid to say you by name. Love you, Lord. Thank you for this time of peace. One more thing, and I want to hand over to Jeff. If you're here this morning, I don't know who, I don't know you guys, how old you are. If you're here and you don't know Christ, I'd really just love to give you an invitation to receive him as personal Lord and Savior. Um, just quick after this service. Sin came into the world in the Garden of Eden, and it's that separated us from God's presence. And when Jesus came to earth, and he gave us his godliness, his godly form and everything. He was God. And he, he came to earth as man. So we sinned against that sin. And he hung on a cross <laughs> so that we could receive him. And as he hung there, he took away our sin. He took away our sickness. He took away all those things. He brought redemption back to earth. He, he, he closed the gap between God and man. At that stage, we couldn't have a personal relationship with him. Only the highest, the holy of holies was there and the high priest could get in once a year and they had to make sacrifices. Jesus was that sacrifice once and for all, never to be done again. And giving your life to Jesus is so scary and the craziest thing you'll ever do. And I promise you this, your life will just go crazy. <laughs> It'll probably be the hardest thing you ever do. But, you'll have peace and hope and salvation and joy. And so as, as crazy as it is, it's the best thing you could ever do. And I don't want to sugarcoat this. Being a Christian isn't for the faint-hearted. You have to die to self, die to flesh, die to what you want. People will ridicule you. I've been spat in my face. I've been punched in the face. I've been called names. I've been thrown through glass windows because of Jesus. I've had every kind of persecution you could ever think of except for maybe getting flogged because I don't know. We don't do that anymore. But I love Jesus, and I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And if that's you, and you don't know him, he died for you. And, and Jesus said with his own words, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that I am Christ, salvation comes. 